0: You're listening to Someone Like Me. This episode was recorded in the early months of 2022. We had just purchased our new Survivor Restoration Campus, and the conversations you hear in this third season will refer to this campus, as well as our former name, End Slavery Tennessee. In 2023, our organization rebranded to Ancora Tennessee, ushering a new era of as we nurture survivor healing and strategically combat human trafficking in this state of Tennessee. Now, without further ado, we present Season 3 of Someone Like Me. Please enjoy. You're listening to Someone Like Me. My name is Leslie Eiler-Thompson, and for two seasons, I've had the privilege of hosting this show. I get to introduce you to individuals who've survived the crime of sex trafficking as we listen to their stories and learn more about what this complex situation can really look like. Additionally, we hear from others working to stop human trafficking from legal and organizational perspectives. We want to share what we've learned so far about effective ways to represent and serve together with our community. All of this is to communicate that there is hope for survivors we serve now and those who will serve in the future. We will do this work until human trafficking no longer exists. So this third season is kicking off with a huge announcement. A new beginning with a brand new name, a new campus, and a new capacity to serve. So here it is. In Slavery Tennessee, the organization behind this podcast has changed their name to, drumroll please, Ancora, Tennessee. On this episode of the podcast, the first of a brand new season, we get to learn why. There are many incredible stories about how this new name and brand came to be, and you'll get to hear some of them in this episode. If you've ever wondered how a company gets its name or logo, or how the work an organization does is represented in design, you're going to be fascinated by this conversation and encouraged that Ancora, Tennessee is survivor-focused and trauma-informed in every facet of what they do. The guests on today's episode were very close to the whole process. We have Caitlin Reed and Cora Tennessee's senior communications and events specialist and Nathan Riches from Riches Consulting. They joined myself and our executive producer, Stacey Elliott, for a conversation about the intricate and intentional process of renaming an organization working to nurture survivor healing and strategically combat human trafficking in Tennessee. So welcome back to Someone Like Me. We are here with Nathan Riches, who is from Riches Consulting, and Caitlin Reed, who is from this organization. And we are talking in February. And when this episode releases, we will have rolled out a brand new brand for the organization that Someone Like Me podcast is from. So as you know, you've been listening... In Slavery Tennessee has been the name of this organization, but we are rolling out a new brand, and that new brand is, Caitlin, would you like to say it? Ancora TN. Mm. And so this whole episode is introducing it to our listening audience and talking a little bit about how it came to be. And so that's why Nathan is here, because he is in charge of brand design. Is that a good way to put that?
1: Yeah, the brand strategy, if you will.
0: Yeah, very good. So let's start just really briefly, with in slavery Tennessee, the organization was founded by Derry Smith. It's one vision, uh, and Caitlin, you were saying that it was initially an advocacy. Advocacy and awareness.
2: Yeah. Not offering aftercare to survivors in the beginning.
0: Mm -hmm. And so part of the rollout of this year is actually kind of sharing that this organization is broadening its reach and scope. So let's talk about some of the things that Encoratian is now going to be doing
2: and then why it was important to change the name for that purpose so fingers crossed all construction goes well Uh, we will be opening our survivor restoration campus which is a 35 acre piece of land in northern davidson county where we will have a combination safe house and care center and eventually we'll be moving all of our administrative operations out here as well
3: Hmm. i'd like to say that we are actually recording this podcast this season from the media room, Mm -hmm. which is lovely. It's that room tone that's beautiful. I know you can't hear that, but we love it
0: here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So. So this whole change, this new sort of direction, really needed to be reflective in the name of the organization. And the name of the organization was important for that time, right, when it was founded. Can you talk a little bit about why, specifically the word slavery, Why that was present and why it needs to be going away at this point.
2: Sure. So in 2012, when we became a 501c3, slavery was an important term to use because human trafficking just wasn't in the common language. People weren't talking about human trafficking. Uh, President Obama, even in a speech around that time, referenced human trafficking as modern-day slavery. So people just weren't familiar with that term, the closest thing that it could be equated to was slavery. So it was kind of important to include that word. And as being an awareness and advocacy organization, it really, we really needed to sound the alarm um, that this was a real problem that was happening here in our backyard in every county in Tennessee. And we had to create this sense of urgency. And it is still urgent of course. But trafficking, human trafficking in particular, has become common knowledge to most people nowadays. So to still use the word slavery could potentially prevent victims from self-identifying. That's not how they see themselves. It also brings about the historical context of slavery, rightfully so. And it brings up imagery of being bound and shackled and you know, kept in a locked mm-hmm. room, um, held against your will physically. And that's not really, we've discovered, that's not really what trafficking looks like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, it's preventing victims from self-identifying, which is the number one well, problem. And as
0: we've talked to survivors in previous episodes, they've actually said, I never thought I was a trafficking victim because my life did not look like what the poster looks like. My life didn't look like slavery. Mm -hmm. That's not me. So I think that's important to note.
3: Yeah, I think it's also important to remember human trafficking has really only been in the vernacular in the United States really since about 2000 when we passed a law, the Mm -hmm. first law federally. But it takes a while for that to kind of move into the state laws and for even understanding what it is. So this is a very emerging issue, and one of the reasons we started out as an information and education organization and advocacy was because we really didn't know what we were looking at. As we learned that there were survivors who needed immense amount of aftercare, that's we began to develop that. I've been a part of the organization from 2012, and you know I was doing education, and then we were just beginning to understand what aftercare looked like. We're still emerging, we grown really fast and we need to grow really fast because the more we learn, the more we realize how much this problem still exists mm-hmm. and is bigger than we
0: thought. Yeah. So then let's switch to the nuts and bolts of how this whole name change and really vision expansion started to happen and enter Nathan. Yeah. When was the first time you were presented with all of this information and what was your like reaction to the organization?
1: Yeah, so a few years ago, uh, I was having coffee with Margie, and as she was explaining all the amazing new things that were coming down the pipeline for in Slavery Tennessee, we started talking about the name and the fact that while that is an important part, you know, there's a whole nother side of the organization that's growing and expanding, and one of the things that popped up to me is, well, with job placement, career placement, trying to provide services, the named It seemed to be a sticking point. It was taking Mm. too long to tell the story of what the name meant, what the organization was about. And especially as you're starting to provide aftercare and resources, uh, to me, especially branding should just be what the story of the organization is. And to me, it just sounded like it was we were spending the majority of our time explaining the name of the organization and not enough time talking about all the good that was being done. Yeah. So that's when we kind of identified that task number one was to find an identity that really spoke to the entire offering of the organization, the entire story that we were trying to tell, and not just why we're here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that is that is such an interesting thing that you say, because even with this podcast, like when we, it's the simple thing also of when we do transcriptions for this podcast, the name of it gets confusing on the transcriptions. Mm -hmm. It keeps wanting to say in slavery, which is
2: very confusing. And very much the opposite of what we're trying to do. (laughs) Precisely.
0: So, okay. We don't need to go into what a whole brand redesign looks like, but- You spent a lot of time with the staff getting a bigger picture of what goes on. Mm -hmm. How did you begin to get a handle on what all is being offered within this organization?
1: In any project where you're renaming, rebranding, the first step is to really understand what's going on. And even for uh, an organization, even for a group of people, just getting in the room all together and just listing out all that we do, all that we're about, all that we accomplish. And so we spent an entire day together just writing down on paper all the resources that are provided, all the different ways that that they're supporting the survivors, all the different things that are accomplished. And there were even some surprises in the room with each other of like, oh, I didn't know we did that. Oh, you know, it's been a while <laughs> since we talked about that. So part of it was just getting everyone on the same page of who are we, what do we do? And then we started just 500 sticky notes on a wall of literally five uh, hundred? Literally, literally the number was closer to like three fifty, uh, three seventy five. Did you just, have to
0: keep sending people out to get more packets of I, post-it notes?
1: I come well he prepared. Was, <laughs> he was I've well done prepared. this, okay. I've done this exercise a few times. So I had awesome. we had a ton of sticky notes and and the activity is just what are the words and phrases and ideas that capture all that we do. And so it's a very difficult task to do because your brain kind of gets stuck. And so it's it's just a way of throwing it up on the wall and seeing what sticks. Literally.
2: Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, regardless of how that worked with creating the new brand, that was a wonderful exercise for our whole staff, direct service included, because they get so micro, and Mm. they'll say this too, they get so micro about what they're doing and feel like they're not making any change or any forward progress. And for us to have a wall full of notes that show every single service that we offer was pretty eye-opening, one, on the administrative side, but two, to give direct service a chance Mm. to like stand back and look at everything that they do on a daily basis. So it worked in multiple ways.
0: That's what's so great about the brand change is that not only is it an external exercise and an external offering and presentation, it's an internal refocusing and revision, which is really great.
1: Yeah, so you you throw a bunch of words up on the wall, <laughs> and it's exciting to see, like Caitlin's saying, all the things that we do, all the things that we hope for for the survivors, all that we want to be known for, and you start grouping it together. And what ends up happening is you start seeing these patterns emerge of groups of sticky notes that all tend to to say the same thing, have the same idea, and so this brought about uh, about. 10 to 15 different ideas. Um, and so then we went to the hard work of exploring those ideas. And you would think that coming up with a great name or a great word is easy, it is not. Prince, um, we, <laughs> fa- we
0: tell you, it
1: is not. <laughs> it, it is not. Uh, we came up with several fantastic words. And then when you go to search online for them or search if there's another organization with that name, there's a lot of fantastic words that just cannot be used. And so uh, we went through about 15 to 20 different revisions, explored some different ideas. But there were three that kind of rose to the top Is one of being about security, of being kind of a play for stability. Two was the resource providing, the resource gathering. So the idea that we're an organization that provides, that gives people an opportunity and the tools that they need to change their life. And then three was the idea of growth and uh, a lot of plant life, uh, a lot of idea of spring and blossoming and growing and breaking from the ground. And so all of those kind of ideas started swirling around and and we had to explore different ways of expressing those ideas. And so it took several months, but uh, we finally ended up actually just combining all three into Ancora TN. (laughs) And so um, if you see the logo, you'll actually see a bit of an anchor in there for the stability. Uh, You'll see a bit of uh, greenery leaves as in growth. And then you'll see a bit of a covering in the A acting as a greenhouse for this growth to occur. And so we just really thought that that was a fantastic way of showcasing all that goes on in this amazing organization.
0: We've talked on this show about trauma-informed, survivor-informed, and so one of my favorite things about this new brand and this new name is that it is— entirely Survivor picked. And I believe there's there's a story about three different names that were presented <laughs> and three different groups of people chose different things, but eventually it was actually the Survivor group. Yeah, And I have some of their feedback. Does anybody want to tell the story of how the three different names, just briefly, like who liked what kind and who liked what kind, and then when it came to the Survivors, what happened?
3: Yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite parts of the branding experience we've had, and that is the board was presented with all three name options, and they chose uh, really, to me, the most buttoned-down mm. corporate type of— The safer uh, route. Yeah, the, the <laughs> safest kind of thing. And then the staff was also given the options, and we we chose the one that was more about something familiar, but really about growth. And the other one, the one we chose, Cora Tien was chosen by the survivors, but we couldn't, I mean, it was the least liked (laughs) from everybody else, but, you know, we did not see what the survivors saw. Um, But what I love about it, and I'll let you read some of the things that they said, but one of my favorite things about it is once the board heard and once the staff heard the survivors take on it, we all were uh, like, oh, uh, I'm changing my mind now. that, That all of a sudden it made sense.
0: Yeah, so these are actually notes from a care coordinator from the actual support group. Um, And I'm just going to do some highlights here. Here's a quote. When you're anchored in healing and growth, there's no coming back. Holding steady, there's a hint of privacy, different and unique. They loved the symbol and everyone was already excited to get it as a tattoo, (laughs) which is such a great sign. Good work to that graphic designer. Um, It reminded them of womanhood and loyalty. They've said they felt like there was no judgment in it, which again goes back to the slavery. Um, I'm sure that people would feel like some sort of judgment in that. They talked about the analogy of what an anchor does for a ship because it's a it's a Latin word, right? It's the Latin word for anchor. Yeah. And so thinking about that sort of anchoring and they said that's what they feel like this organization is for them. And that's the name of the
3: organization now. I remember the day when we when we first heard the word Ancora, Our development team was we just didn't like what we had. This is before we even thought about Ancora, but we just didn't like nothing was the right thing. And our staff member right here next to me, Caitlin. Caitlin said, Hey, there's this word. <laughs> she was looking it up and she said, I think
2: what did it mean, Caitlin? It is Latin for anchor, but meaning support, refuge, hope. Hmm. And when we said those words out loud, we all were kind of like, Oh, well, that's pretty much what we do. <laughs> ding, 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 ding.
1: <laughs> and then when yeah. they passed it over to me, I did some deeper digging and there actually is a not widely used, but there is a connotation of resource gathering as well with it. And so after I found that, I was like, All right, this is definitely going on the wall. Yeah.
0: <laughs> One of the things you spoke to was the idea of of greenery and growth. And in this new brand, you're going to see a lot of, of greenery. And one of the important things is native Tennessee vegetation and plant life. Let's talk about that because there's so yeah. much in there that I want to unpack. The first thing is just geographically. Why is it important that we're using imagery of native Tennessee plants?
1: So one of the important points of the new brand was to still identify as a Tennessee organization. So we wanted it to be super obvious that we're supporting Middle Tennessee in a high-tense situation uh, when someone is trying to get a hold of someone uh, very quickly. We want it to be obvious of who we are serving. And then also Again, all of this is about identities that people can attach themselves to and be a part of. And so we didn't want to create a brand that sounded too global, too big, too broad. It's difficult to kind of attach yourselves to an identity of something like that. And so we wanted to make sure that we still utilize Tennessee. So the imagery that you see is is very Tennessee-based. It's a lot of the local flora and fauna, a lot of the local trees. We just think it's something that people can attach To and recognize both in the imagery and also in the logo itself.
0: Stacey, you have a lot of feelings about this, and I want to hear you talk about why it's important to you to have native plants as a part of this entire vision. Yes, well,
3: I love to watch birds. I'm a birder, and I became a birder when my mother had breast cancer Mm. as a way to sort of give her something to do that didn't require energy the same kind of energy so we could look out our window and look at birds. And I I kind of just began to appreciate, it, it was a good mindfulness exercise, which I have been invited to do with survivors on this campus when we get there and one of the iterations of our next moves. But I learned about native plants and how vital they are to the flourishing of life and how when we provide native plants that are designed to be in the place where they're supposed to be, it invites more sustainability. It invites new life and the restoration of the kind of life that was supposed to be. So I love that the symbolism is rich with what we want, with the people we serve. The life wasn't supposed to be what happened to them. Their trauma was not supposed to be. And if we can somehow restore that to the natural beauty— of what someone was designed to live and thrive in this world, I think that's what we want to do with native plants too. We want it to be a real clear symbol.
0: And this new campus is in is in sort of the hills, just a little bit outside of Nashville, surrounded by native Tennessee vegetation and and plant life,
3: which yeah, is pretty. It's often. restorative. Mm-hmm. Um, even being in this environment, just being here is mm-hmm. restorative.
2: Not just for survivors. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, thanks, Kate. Staff as well. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. <laughs> it's not a fluorescent lit office building. Yep. It's very different. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is incredibly important when you're dealing with things that are not fluorescent, lit, <laughs> sterile at all. Mm-hmm. Were there any plants in particular that you kind of honed in on or, or things that you were surprised to find when you started digging into that might have had some sort of symbolism for this entire organization?
1: Yeah, so – We wanted to explore some ideas of local flowers, foliage, something that expressed growth, life. And we actually came across the Tennessee Coneflower, one of the state flowers of Tennessee. And it had such an amazing story to it. So it was actually thought to have gone extinct back in the 1960s. And so they switched to a different state flower because this one was no longer found. And then in the 70s, in the late 70s, actually 1979, a farmer found a patch of it in his field, in his forest, and uh, the government swooped in, bought up that land, and it took several years to cultivate more of that coneflower, but it came back into prominence and then was brought back as the state flower again in 2012. So it was such an amazing story that something that was thought to have been lost was found again. And then was nurtured back into prominence, into the life restored. Just fits so well with the overall narrative of what this organization does, and so we explored many different ways of utilizing that. And so we'll we'll definitely use it in some imagery of the organization. But we we just felt like it was such an amazing story that really speaks to what we're trying to accomplish here.
0: Mm-hmm. And you said 2012 it was reinstated. Yeah, interesting that that is the beginning of Ancora, TN. Yeah. It's beginnings
1: yeah, in 2012. 2012. How about that?
0: That's pretty amazing. <laughs> but I, I do love the all the symbolism in there about there's so much that we all can resonate with. From different perspectives from a survivor perspective maybe feeling lost and then what this organization does is to swoop in Mm. not necessarily save them you know they're this is an empowering organization where they they make the choice you know this is a trauma-informed survivor-informed organization we're very careful caitlin you can speak to this everything i've learned very careful to not use symbolism about We are not saving them. This is not a—we're not a—we don't have a savior complex, but we do want to come in and surround them with all the resources they need to thrive.
2: Yeah, and when we were going through the rebranding process, Nathan brought about a great concept that they are the hero of their own stories. We're just the guide. So we provide everything that they need on their journey, but they ultimately are the ones who make that journey. We're just alongside them the the whole way. And— We have the opportunity to really change the narrative on that in that we aren't, quote unquote, rescuing people. We are here to provide them with everything that they need, but they ultimately are the hero of their story.
1: Yeah, that was a key component that I felt was kind of hidden in the current narrative and the pre-existing kind of narrative. Something I discovered along the way very early on in the process was they are the ones that are responsible for their life change. However, access to the resources, the care, the place to make that change is very difficult. And that's what we do is bring, we set the stage and the scenario for them to thrive, for them to do the hard work. And that was a huge mindset shift and ultimately why we went with Ancora and that idea of stability and an anchor. It's not an active name. It's not a changing name. It is a stability name of this is a stable place for you to do the work.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that context. If you think about movies, and I know you know the story brand, this is where I'm going with this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know a bit about movies. Yeah.
0: The survivor is the hero because the hero does the incredible work and makes mistakes. I mean, how many times have we talked about survivors working very, very hard and there will be mistakes. But the point failing forward is a phrase that we've talked about. We all fail. We all have struggles. We all have things. But the idea is that we, we move forward with those failures and with those mistakes. And then, you know, this organization guides them along that way. This season of the podcast is going to be talking a lot about missions, values, how all of these things are being reexamined, rebuilt, and why that is important for survivor-informed and trauma-informed care. And so we're going to be talking specifically about that in this season coming up. But Incora TN has a lot coming down the pipeline uh, this year and in the next 5-10 years. Uh, Is there a succinct sort of vision that you can share with us, Caitlin?
2: I would say that over the next at least three, possibly five years, we'll be getting this survivor restoration campus to the place that we envision it will be to serve quite possibly more in terms of residents and being able to offer more comprehensive, holistic care to survivors, whether they live on campus or off. And just expanding those services to really cover all genders, ages, etc. with that trauma-informed care. And we have a lot, (laughs) a lot going on and a lot is going to happen. It's very big, Mm -hmm. um, but that's because the need is very big. So we're really looking forward to it. We're going to have some amazing, amazing things happening over the next few years. So So for you listening to the podcast— stay tuned keep your ear keep your
0: ears peeled <laughs> is that a phrase? Yeah.
1: keep your ears tuned in
0: <laughs> keep your ears to the ground and listen to what's happening stay tuned well thank you Nathan for all of your work and Caitlin your work I know you two work very closely and so very grateful for both of you and so excited for all the things that are happening this year with this organization and this podcast is going to talk more about it throughout the season so Stacy anything else I'm just very excited. Thanks, everybody.
3: For thanks all.
0: Our first
3: episode of the season. Woo! Woo-hoo!
0: We'd like to thank Junior League of Nashville for being a community awareness partner with someone like me. Our producers are Stacy Elliott, Caitlin Reed, myself, Leslie Eiler thompson And in addition to being a producer, Claire Bidegary-Curtis is our engineer, and she is assisted by Selena De La Cruz. Special thanks to our intern, Riley Herman. The original music you hear is by Zach and Maggie White. You can find out more about Ancora, Tennessee at ancoratn.org. That's A-N-C-O-R-A-T-N dot org.